Welcome to Abide's Mornings with Jesus podcast. I'm Tyler Boss. Today, I'd like to share with you an episode of a new podcast on the Life Audio Network called Threads of Faith, hosted by Edward Grennan, where he talks about family, faith, and resilience. I hope you enjoy it. Threads of Faith, deeply personal tales of family, faith, and resilience, authentic, uplifting, and inspirational. Where does Edward come from? You know, where I come from is where everybody comes from, and that's a family. You know, I think that God plants us in the soil of our family. The family is our soil, and it's there so we can, we can grow, and it's, and it's watered by love. And that's where we're all from. You know, not all families are the same, you know, but they're all there to help us grow and set us off into the world. So we can carry on what our families are known for. My family, I'm, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm from Havertown, which is a little, you know, village outside of Philadelphia. It's often called the 13th County of Ireland because of all the names on the mailboxes. I mean, they were all Irish and we were all Catholic and we all went to the same church and we all went to the same parochial school as our parents and grandparents did. I was with a family of four. I had a, a two brothers and a sister. And one of my brothers, the one who was uh, a little bit older than me, was uh, uh, had Down syndrome. And, you know, that has an incredible impact on the family to have that challenge, just not just for siblings, but for the parents as well. And my parents were interesting. They were both, you know, they were, they were creatures of the Great Depression. It's where they grew up and where they met. And, you know, they went through a period of deprivation that, Succeeding generations didn't go through, you know, and it shaped their worldview and it shaped their faith because in that environment of want, of struggle that, that happened in this country and around the world in the 1930s, you really, really had to sacrifice and you had to use your faith every day to survive and for your family to survive. And I think that, you know, really kind of, kind of influenced a great deal of how, how we kids grew up. Because we didn't, we didn't want for much. I mean, we were, you know, children of the 50s and the 60s. We had a lot. We benefited from the, you know, the, the, the expansion of, of society after World War II. But we were raised by parents who knew how bad things could be and how much you would have to depend on your faith to get through those times. So, you know, I remember when I told my father I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a, a creator. Content creation was not a term then, but that's what I wanted. And he looked at me and he says, oh, I see, you want a fun job, don't you? And I was like, well, that'd be nice if it had fun. And he said, that's not what a job is for. Jobs are hard, and you do them to support your family, and you give them the best lives you can give them. And he meant it because you know, he was someone who had, had to drop out of college. He was pre-med. He wanted to be a doctor. He wanted to be a healer, very much so. But when his father lost his job, my father had to drop out of college to earn a living to help support his family. And it wasn't a fun job. He was an introverted guy who, you know, was much happier meditating and, and you know, and worshiping God than he was out being a salesman. And so he didn't have a fun job, but it didn't matter to him because sacrifice was part of being who you were in those days. And for him, he sacrificed the career he really wanted for what he had to do to support his family and his his brothers and sisters, and later his children. And it was interesting, though he didn't get to go to med school 
he put his little brother through med school uh, later on. And that's an amazing thing that he was able to sacrifice like that. You know, my mother was, was she was different. If my father was a little bit of a pessimist, uh, my mother was the uh, eternal optimist in life. And she always believed that you were going to get by. You had, you know, two things really to depend on, yourself and God. And those two things came together in my mom. And she, day by day, I mean, she was, I have never met someone for whom prayer and faith was more important and more integrated in who she was. And, you know, for a long time I was going to be a priest because I thought it would make my mother happy. Then I realized, well, it wouldn't make me very happy. And after all, I wanted a fun job. So, and I didn't think me being a priest would be fun for anybody. Okay, so Edward didn't become a priest. So what did he do? Well, my first job, I mean, I was for a long time, I was the, I was the neighborhood kid, which meant I was, you know, I mowed lawns, I, I, I took care, I cleaned pools when people were on vacation and fed their cats and stuff. But my first real job where I had a social security number and a paycheck was at a Howard Johnson's not far from, um, from where we lived and where my mother used to go there after church with her, with her ladies. And I mean, she was a daily, she went to church almost every day. And so they'd always go to Hojo's for breakfast. And that's how I got my foot in the door at Hojo's. Um, so I was there for, for, you know, I learned a lot about people working that job. And I, and I also learned a little bit about what I was going to see in society later on, because I was a half part-time busboy and a part-time dishwasher. And I noticed that all the staff in the front of the house were white. All the staff in the back of the house uh, were, were black. And it kind of struck me. I was, because I was the different, I was different. I was the only white person in the back of the, the house. And I was the only male in the front of the house. Everything else was female, all the hostesses and the waitresses. And I thought, isn't that interesting the way society is organized? And what does that mean? And I still think about it to this day. You know, I, I, I did a lot of jobs. I worked on the Great Lakes, on the ore boats, which were really tough. And that got me thinking about, you know, what would it be like to have a job like this for the rest of my life? The kind of the, the you know, the, the, the problem my father faced, like, you know, just doing a very hard job, not one that, that brought you a lot of personal satisfaction, but was sacrificial so you could support your family and make a better life for them than you necessarily had. Edward eventually found himself writing for Guideposts magazine, where he learned that storytelling connected people and their faith experiences. It was good for the readers, but it was also good for Edward's own faith journey. I wanted to be a writer. And I, you know, I had gone to graduate school and got a degree in playwriting and won awards. You get to New York and you look in the want ads and there's not a lot of want ads for playwrights. It's a really hard life. And, and I wasn't doing very well at it, and I wasn't doing very well personally. I was really, I was, I was addicted. I was, I was someone who had huge addiction problems, and my life had bottomed out where I was practically on the streets. And I get this call from a recruiter saying, would you be interested in going into a, a meeting with Guideposts, an organization? I, I don't know. I didn't know this recruiter. I had no idea how this recruiter got my resume, got my phone number, knew my name, and called me up. It was a total mystery to me. And at the time, I was practically starving. And I said, well, I thought Guidepost was a travel magazine. I said, I'll get some trips out of it. It'll be kind of an interesting job. So I go into Guideposts, and it's not a travel magazine. However, if you were to substitute the word journey for travel then that would describe my life at Guidepost. And so I ended up getting a fun job.
I had strayed from, from faith. I mean, I was more indifferent than oppositional. And guideposts reminded me that I came from a place of faith. I came from, from two parents. You know, I talked about how I had a brother with, with Down syndrome. And he died, and he died under very mysterious circumstances that were, the police were never quite able to solve back in Michigan. And that sort of thing, you know, we know statistically tears marriages apart. You know, having a, a challenged child is, is, an, is a stressor on a marriage. But then losing that child, I mean, there are a few marriages that survive that kind of a stress. And my parents survived because of their faith. And I saw that and reflected on it years later, saying, wow, that's what held our family together. Love and faith intertwined into that one incredible force. It was like the gravity of their love was their faith. And they survived uh, a, a situation that most marriages wouldn't. And it was entirely because of their faith. And as I grew older and as I had relationships, and as I met guideposts and all the wonderful, wonderful people who tell their stories, I began to see how faith you know, undergirded my life, even in times when I didn't recognize it, didn't honor it, and certainly didn't practice it. Was God making a move? Can God use our own faith journeys to help others? And does God use our family experiences to mold us into a person who shows more empathy, grace, and kindness to others who may be going through what we've gone through? Certainly, Edward could say so, as God led him into doing work that he wasn't expecting to do in his life. Well, it was amazing. You know, I had friends at the time when I came to Guideposts in those early years where I was doing it a year at a time. You know, I had friends who worked at big media organizations, you know, and they would talk to me about their jobs and it was full of politics and backstabbing and they weren't happy and they were stressed out. And I'm thinking, I get to go into an office every day where the audience is incredibly supportive and the work you're doing requires you to be supportive back and supportive of each other. It was an incredible work environment because of the, the, the faith of the audience and how they wanted to share that faith with one another and with the world. And I realized God has put me someplace where he wants me and I need to accept that and be here for him. And it, it dawned on me like, like, like a league light one day that hey, I'm here for a reason. I was put here. Who am I to look for another job when there's plenty of work to do here, good work? And I'm just a part of the organization as far as it's being carried on from Dr. and Mrs. Peel's sort of vision, which was to reach out to people and connect them through the power of shared experience and you know the power of, of, of faith in people's lives. And so we've reached the end of only the beginning of Edward's journey. As Edward is set to share more stories of family bonds, resilience, and hope, we'll discover maybe our own journey God has placed us in and the things in this life that bind us all together. Join us again for more inspiring stories. Until then, keep weaving your own beautiful bonds of love and threads of faith.
A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.